I V M. All right, welcome to Shunyam One, episode sixty-seven. I am back doing the intro with Amit over yes, here. Yes, I know, man. Uh, the last week's intro, I was kind of sick, so everybody could tell, and uh, we missed you, man, for the intro. I know, but we missed you on the whole episode. That is true, but at least I did the intro. Uh, we'll keep <laughs> this discussion will go on, yes, but it it's been a fun week. Uh, I think a lot of feedback already in for uh, Nitya's episode, where I think. Uh, Many people didn't expect uh, a fintech guy to actually be praising the banking system. That is true, actually, and that's a, that's an unusual thing. I think that was uh, that that's actually what makes it interesting, right? I mean, like people come up with different uh, thoughts and perspectives that would just absolutely not be expected, right? Correct. Like uh, we should ask our next guest about uh, his thoughts on food tech oh, because yes. there are big acquisitions in food tech happening. Food tech and food tech unicorns are happening. Food tech. <laughs> uh, Food tech unicorns, I think, are the <laughs> two most interesting words in technology today. Yes, they are. Yes, and they are. Uh, whenever they come together, people lose their minds, <laughs> and then after a few months, they realize, oh, why? <laughs> but without further ado, I think yes. we're going to jump into the episode uh, today. We are talking to Pankaj Mishra, the co-founder uh, of Factor Daily, which actually is an awesome publication which covers. All these dynamics of the tech business, yeah, like in food India tech, which is why we should ask him about food tech. <laughs> and we will, but let's get into the show yes. and uh, see what we uh, have to talk about. Hey, welcome, Pankaj. How are you doing? <laughs> I was just trying to jump in. Okay, well, I was thinking, should I clap or should I jump? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, Welcome to the show. Yeah. It's it's great to have a fellow podcaster yes, I as know. a guest for Our the first, first podcasting. I'm already getting scared. <laughs> <laughs> but as you can see, as you saw, we are quite a fun bunch. We have a lot of fun here. So mm-hmm. uh, I know you have podcasts in the more exotic locations. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our humble studio and sitting. let me say this is the most respect I have received in podcasting. You know, like they say, they would say in Hindi, "Ye sabse aada izzat mili hai yahan pe." मतलब you know. My goodness. <laughs> but but yes, you do get to travel to some exotic locales, uh, which have a lot of interesting backgrounds and surroundings uh, when you do your interviews. And uh, kudos to uh, what you guys are doing. But. Yeah, well, can you plug your podcast? Let people know where they can listen, so that the people who are listening to Shunya One should know where to listen to you. Thank you. That's yes. like fellow podcast, of course, <laughs> a, a rookie one at yeah, that. But so, so guys, if you're listening in, um, I host a podcast called Out- Outliers. Uh, we are 67th episode, just catching up with Shunya One. Yes. <laughs> As of today, we are on the same number. Yeah, it's the same number. Yeah, what are the odds? Yeah, right. <laughs> but before we get into the details, of course, I do want to, you know, tell the guests about how your journey has been uh, up to this date. You know, how did you come to what you're doing today with Factor Daily? Uh, what led you here? What and, you know, what's your journey been and what's the current status of yeah. the tech journalism business? <laughs> Normally, we ask these questions. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, so... Uh, So I come from a small town called Allahabad in UP, and uh, I'm a bachelor of commerce. Thirty-three <laughs> percent. Wow. <laughs> come from a family of academicians, uh, father, grandfather, and all of that. Grew up uh, with lots of idealism. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, my father was, uh, you know, like my all four generations have been with the University of Allahabad. 
I've seen student leaders coming to our house with pistols, cash, all of that. And my <laughs> wow. father would just kick them out. And, you know, so, so I've grown up in that kind of a thing. And so a lot of what we do in terms of journalism, I haven't been to a journalism school, has roots in idealism. And uh, and that I have seen even when I interview others for Outliers podcast, uh, a lot of things that people do today, the roots are, are way back when they were growing up or things like that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I come from Allahabad. I finished my graduation and went to Chennai because we didn't have any relatives there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Good reasoning. Uh, yeah, a lot of people told me, you know, Chennai, you can't survive and things like that. But amazing city, great. I met some of the best friends there. I started with Indian Express. Indian Express didn't have a vacancy for a journalist then. So they said, why don't you prove yourself in sales and then we will consider. So I spent three months uh, selling uh, ad space. Okay. And... Uh, Good training for starting your own website. I think salesmanship applies whatever we mm -hmm. do in life. I mean, even today, I'm either selling stories or ideas. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty much there. So a lot of things I have learned, I continue to learn. I listen to people. I don't read books. I, the only three books I have read in my life. <laughs> wow, that's a, that's a bold statement to make. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very unusual for a writer too, right? I mean, like most writers are generally readers. Well, you know what? <laughs> So, yeah, so three books and uh, I don't read much actually, Okay. to be uh, very honest you with you. You want to say what those three books are? <laughs> so Siddhartha by Harman Hesse, oh, yes. uh, Autobiography of a Yogi and Old Man in the Sea. Ah, okay. <laughs> the fishing book. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it. And, and, and in my career as a storyteller, I, I mostly believe in listening to people. Mm -hmm. I have always uh, loved talking to people and telling stories. And that's why I became a journalist or, and a little bit of Tintin too. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't we all? But through your uh, journey through Economic Times and then I believe TechCrunch and, you know, what moved you to the world of tech and startups and entrepreneurship and what is fascinating? I mean, I know it's fascinating. I've been a founder. I talk to founders every day. We meet folks like you here. Uh, what fascinated you about it and what led to actually Factor Daily and now the Outliers podcast actually get started? So I have always been, a, if you want to call a technology journalist, but I don't have any background in technology. Like I'm not an engineer, nor I am, uh, you know, I have nothing to do with technology industry uh, mm -hmm. as such. Uh, but uh, from the start, uh, the year 2000, when I started my career, I was fascinated by what technology was doing to people, mm -hmm. what it was doing to society what it was doing to companies, everything. And in, in some ways, uh, technology was uh, shaping the future of everything around us. Yeah. And you look at Mark Anderson's famous essay on how software is eating the world and, and so on. So when I joined uh, the Economic Times for the first time or Minji newspaper before it was getting launched, there was no focus on technology coverage in newspapers. Mm. People thought technology means gadgets. You know, mm, that, yeah. That's how <laughs> it, it right. was. Yep, yep. Yep. So, so it, it was a lot of uh, selling <laughs> again <laughs> mm -hmm. and doing things. Uh, show, don't tell. Uh, right. By telling stories from intersections of technology mm. uh, with business and, and, and so on. So I have had biggest scoops over years. Uh, Lots of uh, lawsuits against me. <laughs> we, we, I definitely want to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> that will lead to another lawsuit. <laughs> so, so uh, it's been quite eventful and I'm really grateful to everyone who I have listened to. But coming into, again, 
factor daily being your digital f- foray into pure play digital and of course a company you founded right after your stints with various tech journalism platforms like this what did you guys want to do different and what's the core thesis of so, what you're doing here so first of all uh, i think i'm also perhaps the only journalist who has worked twice with economic times and twice with mint my second stints with both these newspapers was supposed to build a wired of india or a tech crunch of india whatever you call mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. i did try in both these places and i realized that uh, organizations large organizations have more existential battles to fight mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so so attempt to uh, uh, you know i kind of entrepreneurial uh, you know in those stints mm-hmm. overall but then i realized that it's not going anywhere because you know they will throw out designations like uh, resident editor so i was i think perhaps the youngest resident editor of economic times and and they think that you know there's a sense of reward and all that but inside i always wanted to build something like this mm-hmm. so two and a half years ago almost three years ago i quit uh, economic times and the idea behind factor daily was the same that i mentioned the intersection of technology with uh, people society culture Mm. Uh, future business staying away from uh, sensational scoops or gadget mm. uh, reviews but, yeah. yeah yeah but try and make sense of the deep impact that technology is bringing right. that we thought was not getting captured and how do you explain uh, this impact of technology to everyone uh, how do you explain cloud computing to your grandmom mm. or how do you figure out uh, you know the intersection of tech with culture or the dark side of technology hmm. all of that fascinated so so when techcrunch wrote one of the first stories on uh, you know after our launch they said we we are building kind of wired of india hmm. it was humbling but uh, wired what it used to be ah right. <laughs> wired <laughs> Uh, you guys do a lot of long form, right? I mean, like uh, I, I was uh, as I whenever I read your site, I yeah. generally most articles are fairly long. Yeah. Uh, is that again something that you think was challenging from like I mean, like a differentiation from what you see what you saw in the newspaper space? So, you know, just one thing I want to make clear. Again, I have not been to a journalism school, right. so everything I am doing in terms of how we are doing doesn't owe anything to any of the textbooks. Mm. I don't believe that length means depth. Hmm. what i mean is stories can be long form or short form but they can still have depth right. so it's natural when you pick most of our stories on factordaily.com they are long uh, in right. terms of length but the idea is not to write long articles the idea is to tell a story if it takes few more words you do it right. and on that note you know so we have had also quite colossal failures since we launched right and one of the things i think not many people are aware we wanted to be a pure video site okay So really it, yeah so first two months we said absolutely no text okay so all of us coming from traditional journalism newsrooms we were learning video editing scripting all of that so the one thing we were very clear that when we are trying to build something new it better be new mm-hmm. uh but in two months we realized uh, what video as a medium is actually behind those fancy numbers around video consumption yes. and things like that mm-hmm. Uh, what we want to do in the genre of storytelling we wanted to do right uh, how can it be served best can you like expand that? on that a little bit because i think i know where you're leading to but i'd like you to actually say it <laughs> you are you on say it <laughs> <laughs> i can say it if you want but i'd like you to say it first and then i'll explain on it i don't know if this is what you were leading to but uh, you know so one of the things we realized uh, that uh, video consumption was mostly around few things right uh, entertainment Mm-hmm. bollywood number 
second is of course porn or things like that right mm. uh, or gadget you know uh, your tear downs of products and things like that right uh, but if you wanted to tell the kind of stories we tell in text form for example how a porn group on telegram was busted Mm. or you know a lot of other stories that we do telling those stories in video format means very high production mm-hmm. values right yeah. the assembly line has to be very different it's not like people sitting and doing your you know Looking dump into the camera <clears throat> yeah no right. not like that so there our aspiration was to do a voice right video stories yeah. right and and then you know that i mean to do to pull it off anything like that you need at least 10 million dollars mm-hmm. yeah. uh and you need people who come with those backgrounds who would have worked in some of the best production studios and i think amit would have far deeper insight on this than i am but i'm just telling you as, yeah, as an no, outsider right yeah. yeah so no no i agree with i agree with you entirely i think that uh, from a cost perspective that becomes one big problem over there the production is really really tight i was actually kind of uh, i thought you were leaning more into the uh, current rule on video or at least web video 3 minutes or less <laughs> Uh, which I don't know how you can do a story like you're talking about, right? If you're talking about how a child porn ring on Telegram is being bust, busted, how do you do that in three minutes or less? You can't really do that. I I I would argue with that. Okay. And and then going back to the same point about, uh, I think depth has got nothing to do with the length. Mm-hmm. I I think it, it's also about the production quality and imagination. See see if, if I'm a storyteller and specializing in one particular medium. I'm not going to be defined by the medium. Mm. Uh, I will use medium as a format to get what I'm trying to tell. Uh, you know, reach people who should be consuming it. Right. But I can't be consumed by the platform mm. or format as a storyteller. I think we should spend some time on that because there's a lot of uh, focus on uh, video. Mm. I mean, Facebook made you know just bastardize the whole video journalism, right? <laughs> they, they were counting yeah, like, yeah. less than one second of view as one view and all that. Right? Uh-huh. It was com- yeah. now look at what they're saying. They're saying, "I am sorry, guys. I mean, if you want page views, don't talk to us." Yeah. So you know, how can you be married to platforms? No, like so this? you cannot, right? I mean, like that is the fundamental thing le- lesson to have been learned from Facebook eight years ago. Exactly. Don't depend on us. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and now again, you see Google's and Facebooks of the world trying to talk about fake news. how we will revive journalism writing grant checks i don't think see as as, as a story one of the reasons you ask why did we do factor daily is because we love this profession so much that we can't do anything else mm. uh and wherever we were working we realized that organizations are not shaping the future of my profession right they were fighting battles that are inconsequential so who will figure out so if if you look at the auto industry or uh, you know you pick entertainment industry you will find uh people uh who, you know elon musk right he's shaping the future of auto uh who is that equivalent in media you know maybe one or two right and i'm talking india right mm. so mm. everybody is either trying to save their jobs or they are fighting battles that don't matter right. for future mm. so one of the reasons also we've quit mainstream jobs is to find answers ourselves whether we find answer or we have we end up with more questions we succeed or fail i'm not thinking about that too much very interesting yeah. before we cut for a quick break i do want to ask how factor daily obviously you started 2 years ago and you built a base on uh, the platform of writing these stories telling these stories what led you to podcasting <laughs> as another medium yeah. to tell these stories that's how i looked at it i realized that conversations were becoming uh, very engaging mm. 
with people I used to meet. Mm-hmm. One of the things I always do in meetings, and I think Sheila, when we met also for the first time, I always, I enable cross connections. Hmm. And uh, because I travel a lot like nomads, so I'll bring on the ground inputs and share with people. And then I realize if there is a way of, you know, putting these conversations in a format that can be consumed and shared, hmm. uh, why not? So that was my starting point. Starting point was not like, you know, you see happening now. Hey, I want to do a podcast. <laughs> now let's figure out what it should be about. You know, it was not that. So, yeah. so podcast for me is a culmination of conversations. Right. Uh, tomorrow, if, if if the medium is something else, <laughs> mind reading. Yeah, I will go wow. there. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the, something aspirational. That's interesting. I mean, but I think that those are the best podcasts, right? The best, the best podcasts yeah. that are out there are podcasts which are real conversations between... Yeah. Uh, like you know, I'm not such a. There, there, there are a lot of really great interviewers out there, right? I mean, like someone like Terry Goss, or even in our network, Cyrus. You know, I mean, like, there are a lot of really great interviewers out there. But my favorite kind of podcasts are the ones where there are people who know about something, and they're getting into it, right? And I mean, like that. And I think that that comes across on the uh, on your podcast for sure. So I mean, like, uh, no, you're really kind. I mean, <laughs> I, I hope it it does. And other promise I made to myself uh, before I do hundred. Episodes. I'm not going to think whether I should be doing or not doing right. things like that. So I'm not yet hundred episode old. Old. So <laughs> I am just born. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Likewise, I think we will see you there, and <laughs> when the time comes, yes, so we yes. Well, we'll, we'll do a hundred. We'll do a combined hundred episodes. Absolutely. Yes, we'll do we that. Inshallah, <laughs> we will do it. We must do it. We're, we're traveling in the same space. 100 episodes will come in the same week. Absolutely. <laughs> well, on that note, I want to actually, I mean, we'll take a quick break, come back and talk some more about the kind of stories that you have been privy to over these years in the tech space. The ones we have written and the ones we haven't written. Yes. So the ones we haven't written, I think those are more interesting. You guys are bad. <laughs> All right, welcome back. The, I think during the break, we were talking a little more with uh, Pankaj about all the interesting facets of his secrets. life as so a journalist in the tech business. And <laughs> tech being the hottest business in town obviously means that you get your fair share of interesting insights when you talk to people and when you do your investigations. Uh, and those come with... Uh, I would say a moral high ground that you have to take when it comes to talking about certain things, things which are sensitive, things which are uh, which can seriously impact uh, the world around us, right? So, what what is this? What how do you manage this dark side of journalism? And what are the interesting things that have happened to you? If you can share a few, uh, especially how much you're being sued for right now, maybe if you yeah, have a what's the current count, man? <laughs> Do you have a cumulative count? Do you have an ongoing count? How does this work? I wish we could be valued as a startup based on that number. It's a GMV equivalent of an e-commerce company. Wow. I think first of all, you know, I, I, see, as, as a journalist, I don't wake up every morning thinking, okay, it's going to be a Right? That's not how I approach journalism. Right. Unfortunately, that kind of journalism is in fashion today. Mm. Uh, massive polarization. You are either on the extreme right or you are on the extreme left. The journalism of balance is completely missing. Again, I have not been to a journalism school, but from what I have understood from this profession is that as storytellers, as as journalists, Hmm. we bring fact-based reporting to readers or Hmm. viewers, right? Now, you empower your reader with everything you can so that the reader makes up 
their mind. Right. You don't fall on either side. Right. You don't become an activist. So the line starts blurring. Now you see journalists who are activists. Right. Now you see... Uh, so, you know, I'll give an example, right? <laughs> this is one of the latest <laughs> defamation. <clears throat> when we did an investigative series of stories based on uh, my interviews with over two dozen women who had faced sexual harassment, mm -hmm. complaining against one famous venture investor. On Twitter, people tried and link it with Aadhaar. They said, because this person is against Aadhaar, is why you are bringing out stories of sexual harassment against this person. Wow, that has... Yeah, no. I have those tweets saved. <laughs> now, th the thing is, uh, I used to get very agitated back then, right? Mm -hmm. Around one and a half years ago. Like, what, what's really happening with this, right? I would go uh, reply back to trolls and, and, and do things that a normal person would do, right? Mm -hmm. Then I realized that it is not worth uh, fighting, you know, these battles. So, right. so then, as what is my weapon as a journalist? That I have to tell stories based on fact and evidence, right? I stay with that. I mean, why to get into this, uh, you know, this kind of ridiculous uh, mm. assessment about, uh, you know, bringing things like Aadhaar into this, right? Mm. So, uh, so, so that is one example of mm. it. The other times, uh, for example, everyone from, like I used to track Infosys for a living uh, around 2000, 2003, 5, and when Mr. Murthy also came back. I've had the biggest scoops. I wrote about uh, them appointing a chairman six months before they actually did and questioned the uh, board's governance and things like that. And around the time Mr. Murthy came back, we wrote a series of stories uh, about the chaos and, and how it was mm -hmm. self-imposed. Mm -hmm. So we got seized and there is notice from Infosys uh, that was worth uh, 2,500 crore or something. Later on, there was another company called Subhiksha. Or they, I did an interview with Mr., you know, Azim Premji. Mm. And Azim Premji had invested in this company called Subhiksha. And Subhiksha's founder, uh, according to Mr. Premji, committed a fraud. And, you know, he was, you know, of course, uh, the special fraud investigation uh, and government was investigating him and all that. And Premji in this conversation with me said, Subhiksha is like Satyam. Like Satyam, the famous fraud. Wow. <laughs> right, 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 right. So this guy sued Premji and he also sued me. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 and the latest one that I talked about, right? This famous venture uh, capital uh, investor uh, who we wrote a series of stories. And, what, and it was actually a defining moment for me as a journalist because I interviewed oh, nearly two dozen women who were sexually harassed. Hmm. You know, I'm quite a strong guy. I'm as guy as you can be, right? right. Some of those conversations made me cry. I'm not kidding. Because you listen to what happened to those women and you kind of question. I mean, that was the closest I became an activist. Hmm. I did not become an activist. Hmm. But if ever in my career I have gotten closest to a moment where I was wondering, I mean, how everything is happening uh, was then. Because those interviews changed me as a person. I learned a lot about uh, how to conduct sensitive interviews how to listen more and talk less, how to empathize with victims. So now this kind of journalism is not taught anywhere. Right. I think people who are teaching journalism need to focus on this. Like how do you, you know, reporting or journalism, how do you create people who do it with empathy? Hmm. So first interview I did for this series of stories, I mean, uh, the lady uh, shouted at me. She called me names. 
then it took me few weeks to to come out of it and go back to her because then i realized okay i was doing it wrongly mm. right because you know as as journalists you are always trying to dig things out right right but in 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 investigative sensitive issues like these you need to first uh, have a dialogue with the person mm. and that taught me that uh, conversations uh, are more important stories are byproducts wow that's so, a good line. yeah interesting i like that line <laughs> no, but that's true, uh, yeah. and it's. I think it's true regardless of what kind of uh, nature of uh, profession you're in, mm-hmm. uh, right? I mean, yeah. no, and I think the ecosystem, Amit and Sheila, I think fails uh, those women because what happens is uh, by keeping quiet, by moving on, you're failing those who have come forward and spoken about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. now i can as a storyteller only do so much i'm not a enforcement authority right. or i'm not part of this ecosystem as such mm-hmm. but my job is to create awareness so and that's about it <laughs> i'm not going to uh, launch a campaign or you know do any anything like that mm-hmm. but a lot of people who used to talk about weinstein and things like that it was again fashion right mm-hmm. yeah the whole a year ago yeah. almost every ceo in india was uh, hashtagging that and, and you know making those appeals and things like that india has enough and more weinsteins what are we doing about it yeah. there are sexual predators on the loose mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what are you doing about it absolutely nothing we have also been blacklisted by many companies because not just this one individual there was another company that we wrote about i said it has a culture problem and mm. i captured all of that again based on uh, you know few dozen interviews with people who were working in the company and so on mm. the ceo uh, said uh, if you want to meet or talk you delete this post and say sorry i said over my dead body mm. you know uh, so so these things keep happening but there are more importantly other kind like Bitcoin space, right? Mm-hmm. We we wrote a series of investigative stories on a Bitcoin fraudster, and uh, which led to the RBI and others take notice. And in fact, their officials also uh, coordinated with us. Finally, they nabbed him. I used to get threat calls. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I walk from home to office, by the way. <laughs> so it's around ten kilometers every morning, and uh, I would get calls like, uh, "Mishra ji, मुझे पता है आप घर से कितने बजे निकलते हो, ऑफिस कब पहुंचते हो, कौन से रास्ते पे चलते हो." but you know so so even in 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 a new thing like bitcoin you you see these people the point i'm trying to make is i have tracked founders from infosys era to this era right mm-hmm. and i i i believe it is underrated how much of bullying you face from the ecosystem and its leaders mm-hmm. it is unprecedented and i don't think it's fashionable to talk openly about it some day perhaps we will interesting i mean like i don't know that that uh I don't know how much that fits into my own personal experience, but uh, I can buy almost everything that you're saying here. I don't have any like you know none of it sounds off no, the wall. No, that's that's true, right? Because tech in the last maybe twenty years since the Infosys to now twenty five years even has become the it's become a strong industry which mm-hmm. makes uh, makes people's fortunes, which makes which is very strategic, uh, and even today's startups which are becoming unicorns. Mm-hmm. are powerful companies no but what is happening now is today's unicorns are not facing the same 
litmus test that Infosys and Wipro are the world best. See, that's where because I give because they're too fast. They're too fast, and mm. they're they're not as transparent. Mm. See, end of the day, if you look at those are you, public companies, so yeah, public companies have reporting requirements. Infosys brought this whole transparency in reporting. Right. Uh, which became a benchmark for the entire industry. Now, I might not agree with everything that they are doing, but credit to them, they created an institution. Right. How many times you see startup or unicorn founders getting questioned on how you know their board itself? Hmm. How yeah. how diverse is their board? The boards are all made up of founders and investors. Hmm. How much you think they will care for culture of the company? Of course, no, no, and. The, this whole ecosystem, while it's so amazing to be part of it, it's fast-paced. It's like you know, it's uh, it's the state of the art. We are doing things which have not been done before. Uh, it comes at definitely some cost. There are, I, I know there are shady stories of not just sexual harassment, bullying. Uh, you know, people stepping on each other for in the workspace, collusion with VCs, like so many things happen. Like there is a dark underbelly of this, and uh, so we did this. Um, yeah, we started this podcast called uh, Whistleblower. Ah, right. I wanted to do it every month. <laughs> I did it only one. Ep- I won only one episode a few months ago. Yeah. What happened is I realized by you know again conversations that a lot of these companies are misrepresenting data mm. to their investors mm-hmm. and all that to jack up valuation of course yeah. right so even around the same, so I, uh, every week i still get anonymous emails from women pointing out uh, a you know a sexual harassment episode with someone i i meet at least two people every fortnight <laughs> wow. since we did that series okay. wow. now the reason i'm bringing it up is this whistle blowing happened and i started getting a lot of these interesting messages so i met some of them and uh, we did one episode wherein I got an actual whistleblower working with uh, one of your startup unicorns right. talking about what really happened and how uh, data was fudged. We anonymized the voice and things like that. I wanted to do a series. After this first episode, three more of them who I was talking to, they settled with the management. Uh, one of them said, Pankaj, I'm sorry, you know, uh, middle class guy, I was offered this much of money. So you can't blame them. Right. <laughs> wow. uh, but... There are problems. There are deep problems. And then there are things like, uh, you know, uh, selfie deaths. We wrote a long form mm. story uh, around one and a half years ago yeah. about how India has become selfie death capital right, of the right, world. Right, right, right. Uh, we interviewed yeah. those families. So, so, dark side is equally fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, the, uh, the, the amount, of, the more technology is pervasive in culture just generally, right? Culture has a dark side. So, I mean, like the more technology is kind of pervasive in, cult, uh, in, in culture generally, you're going to start seeing more and more dark stories come up. So, in some ways, I mean, like, you know, I'm not making excuses for anybody at all, right? But if you look at like fudging of numbers, right? This is something that's happened in like all companies for the longest time, right? We had shining examples in front of us because most of our examples are international, like, you know, companies like Microsoft and Google and uh, Amazon who are fairly, you know, I mean, like they do some fudging, but not crazy fudging. You know, I mean, like they fudge in like, uh, they show some, they show things in ways which are not kind of necessarily 100% true, but there's still some truth to what they're doing, right? And I think, uh, but India is a different space. So, I mean, like the kind of general fudging that you are going to see 
in other businesses is no, going to translate into a tech the, the one thing which I think is the pattern which you're talking about is the fact that there is a lot happening in this space. Uh, and while there are great, great things when it comes to actual the growth here, the tech scene, jobs are being created, everything. There is also this equally dark side of things which are also growing. And uh, I think awareness around that, your, I would say your core principle of what you guys are doing and talking about is making sure there is enough balance of stories of yeah. the good and I think the, the bad. Good, right? the bad and the ugly. So how do yeah. you um, how, how, how do you maintain a balance, right? Because at the same time, I'm sure, you know, I mean, like there are techno panic stories too, right? Where people are like, oh my God, this is going to end the world. You know, I mean, like, so I mean, like, how do you kind of, and but, and there is a dark side as well, right? So what what are your kind of thoughts around how do you make sure that you kind of stay on one side and not jump into so the other? paranoia is very natural with anything right. new. I can only talk with examples, right? So, for example, when we write about artificial intelligence, our lens is very sharp India lens. Hmm. We don't get swayed by what Elon Musk is debating with someone else about whether it will eat jobs or not. Hmm. So, one way of dealing with this uh, or ensuring balance is doing fact and evidence-based reporting. Hmm. Uh, there is absolutely no other way. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and not being fanboys. Hmm. I'm, I'm not a fanboy. Right. Completely. Uh, which basically means staying true to uh, your community. Right. right? So if, if you're doing that, you will do, you know, so for example, one of the <laughs> potential blacklisting about to happen or that really happened uh, with us uh, from a company. We've written long form art articles about that company, about some of the good things they do with technology. Okay. But when we are looking at a topic, we are trying to build, bring a totalitarian view. Mm. I'm not looking at anything in isolation. Mm. So there will be times when you will question them. That they don't get. Mm. Yeah, but, but then again, that, you know, but the you live with the bad, yeah. You live with it. Yeah, I guess true. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you know, I also want to ask about, since you've taken obviously... Uh, you founded this company, you're doing this sort of journalism, you guys have raised money yourself. <laughs> and you, you're a tech company. I mean, you're a startup, it's a media startup, but you're also rooted in tech. How do you look at yourselves as a business? You know, I'm just shifting the topic here from sure. the, Are you going to be ad supported forever? Or are you going to move into subscription? <laughs> What's the deal, man? <laughs> <laughs> so, so when we launched in the first year itself, we made around uh, 70 lakh. Okay. Uh, which covered uh, close to half our costs. And we were surprised because uh, everyone told us, you can't make money in media. Second year, we did better. Hmm. Uh, third year, we will definitely do even better. Nice. Now, in my, and while well, I'll tell you what, how hmm. we think we will make money, there are more questions than answers, to be honest hmm. with you. Broadcasting. The point I'm trying to make is that Everything is disrupted out here. Right. The way, uh, the consumption patterns and the advertising and all of that. Uh, I don't think uh, grants or reader revenue or brand revenue hmm. on their own will be able to give enough money for sustaining quality journalism. Mm -hmm. By quality journalism, I mean journalism that pays market salary. Mm -hmm. to the team that you have brought together. Anything less than that is not worth it. Mm. And second thing is grants, right? Anything done on grants, uh, then you should rather become a not-for-profit. Right. You cannot be for-profit. Right. Some and, and we're doing lots of experiments. Also, so I we, think with grants, you don't have... Uh, it, it's a year-to-year -year thing, right? Yeah. So then you're chasing it every yeah. year rather yeah. than building a... Yeah. 
mechanism where you're generating revenue. Yeah. So yeah. I think that... So in our case, uh, like we believed in information wants to be free kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. My co-founder Jaydevan always uh, says that and uh, I've always believed in that. Like if you're doing good work, it should reach more people. Yeah. Uh, so we have not gone subscription from mm-hmm. the start. What has happened is very interesting over past few months and actually over a year, we've been getting a lot of people writing to us, sending us messages that, hey, you guys should go subscription. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them even put figures uh, that they want to pay every year to read our stories mm-hmm. and things like that. As of now, there are definitely over 100 messages we are looking okay. at. Wow. So we will definitely think about it. Maybe some sort of mix of things. Yeah, so, so what the point I'm trying to make is that you would try everything at, Right. Ethically, right? With integrity. Right. So you don't know which one is going to work. So I don't have answers as to how to make money in media. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm, I'm learning and I have absolutely, I have more questions myself. Okay, cool. So clearly podcasting is not one of the ways. Look at this. In fact, as a last note, I'm going to ask you that. <laughs> I must put it on record. We have received two brands who have reached out to us saying that they want to become a sponsor of the podcast. Oh, nice. And... Uh, Nice. Once you secure those, send them to us. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but the, the thing is, the, the thing is, we have a code of conduct. Mm. We also have a code of conduct for people who spend with us. Okay. We are very, very careful about who do we work with as brand. Mm-hmm. We have let go of two, uh, you know, uh, one member of the founding team, one brand which was uh, offering to spend over one crore. Uh, over the next two years or something when we were early enough because of uh, our code of conduct. Okay. So that's the other thing. Like we live, it's like our constitution. We, so uh, what are, uh, again, you don't have to, I'm not asking for specifics around these issues, but what, what constitutes your code of conduct? Code of conduct is everything that we do as professionals. Mm-hmm. Who do we talk to? How do we conduct ourselves professionally? Okay. Uh, the lines between, so for example, I'm the CEO, co-founder as well as a writer. Right. Now, there are definitely conflicts that I'm dealing mm-hmm. with. Uh, it's one thing to make disclosures, but it's another thing to ensure that you have clear demarcation between these three functions. Right. I can't be flipping hats, you know, when I'm sitting in the same meeting. Mm-hmm. So I, I always stay true to the purpose of the meeting. Okay. If I'm meeting someone uh, for a story, I don't entertain anything remotely with anything to do with revenue or anything like that. Mm. I, I think a lot of these rules are best practiced uh, individually. Right. Uh, you can set guidelines, but you know, you have to. So, so there's one example. Hmm. On, on the brand side or revenue side, we have guidelines uh, which includes everything from what are they really expecting. One of the problems with media is that and, and the people who they earn money from is, is that these questions are not answered well. Hmm. Like why would a brand sponsor something? Hmm. Now the brand may be thinking something in their minds hmm. and the salesman is not handling those questions because the salesman or saleswoman is in a hurry to run away with the deal. Yeah. Now that is what I mean by code of conduct on, on the revenue side. We deal with every question uh, right up front. We make it very clear that uh, there is absolutely no leaning on the editorial side. Mm-hmm. So we, we deal with those things up front. Mm. So by doing that, uh, more than half of the conversations are dead, right. which helps us. <laughs> well, you have to manage less conversations. That's always good. It's good. <laughs> wow. I think there's a lot which a lot of founders and uh, technologists who maybe are listeners as well could take away from this. Not just if they were trying to start up in media or journalism, but in general. Right, I think all of these values 
translate really well uh, if you're running any kind of business. I think institutions are built because of integrity and ethics. Institutions are not, and that's my complaint with current breed of a lot of entrepreneurs that you see. There is a mercenary culture. And that mercenary Mm. culture reflects in the organizations. Mm. So... I mean, you, you you look at companies, uh, the biggest one from Flipkart to anyone, right? Uh, they they went to Silicon Valley to get a hoard of talent. Then that talent went back. Then they said that talent was not worth it. Then that talent said that this problem was not worth their time. <laughs> I mean, what are we really doing here, right? So, so that's the mercenary culture I'm talking about. Right. But uh, you look at companies like Infosys or even, you know, one of the stories people forget is a red bus story. Hmm. I don't yeah. know how many of you know funny in this summer. I always thought that it is a story uh, which has not been... Uh, yeah, it's not know. been given the right, it's due yeah, or glamour. Exactly. Because it, it wasn't It fancy. wasn't glamorous enough. Yeah. But it's a, it's a massive success story, right? I mean, like yeah, but yeah. Who hardly had... anything more written about okay. it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so, so, so and, and people who wrote about it, right. they were very judgmental about what happened then. Hmm. Uh, it's actually one of the earliest exits in the yeah. industry, yeah. which no, is why it was sort of written off saying, yeah. oh... But it was still such a, I mean, like such a huge success and such a transformative company yeah. in terms of like, you know, just how uh, people travel in this country. Yeah. A lot of unicorns today are paying millions of dollars to the consulting firms like BCG, McKinsey and so on. They could use some lessons from uh, this like, ecosystem yeah. itself and yeah. save those dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But wow. Or read That's Or listen to the Outliers podcast or listen to the Shunyuan podcast. All of them will give you better information than that. Oh, Outliers has been quite a journey, actually. And every every episode has been quite learning. I mean, from Shubhrato Bakshi talking about what he learns from a river right? Uh, to, you know, lots of the guests. I mean, I just sit there and, and, and listen to them. Like, that's why I don't read books. That's pretty much what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Well, On that note, I think that was a fabulous way. Yes, uh, was. We should ask the question the about the food tech. <laughs> we asked up front that we, we said up front we're going to ask the question. So we should ask the question before we end. What do you think of the food tech acquisition spree that's going on right now? What is the spree? Well, okay, one food tech acquisition that happened. Scootsy got brought out by Squiggy, no? Yeah. So that's it, I guess. You got nothing to say about it. You don't care about it either. <laughs> Not for that. I, I think, uh, yeah, so it's a land grab out there. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think it's it's a classic consolidation that would happen in any industry. Uh. You know, I mean, uh, if I have to deal with this question in another way, I would actually focus on these as platform businesses. Hmm. So if, for example, uh, if I were Flipkart I, or, you know, if I were Walmart, I would not buy Flipkart. I would buy Mintra. Hmm. Okay. Because I believe it's far better product than Flipkart. Mm. I know I'll make some enemies because of saying that. I sort of agree with that. I get what you're saying too. And so Swiggy, coming to Swiggy, right? right? Uh, I always thought, so if, if for example, an Ola or someone would have, would, would get ambitious enough and think of this as a platform right. business, I, I, I used to ask people why Ola and Flipkart are not one company. Because hmm. that would have fought with Jeff Bezos much better than what we saw. Interesting. And similarly with Swiggy. Swiggy, if things go well, I think you will see food tech platforms like Swiggy and Zomato doing more than e-commerce yeah, companies. Becoming logistics. That number, exactly. I think, if right. you, to answer your question, you should watch. Because mm-hmm. I feel, I get early signals that the food tech revenue, whatever you call it, right. people are going to be eating more than buying things. Right. And I think it will eat e-commerce, as mm-hmm. we know. Interesting. 
Interesting. That is interesting. Bakash, okay. where do folks get in touch with you on Twitter <laughs> to to talk to you? You know, so I have a name. I, I forgot to mention Pankaj Mishra. Uh huh. Who uh, is the uh, New York Times? What should writer, I say? No? Yeah, I mean, he brings pain. <laughs> and he also brings a lot of fan mails to me. Okay. So this Pankaj Mishra is a famous author. Uh-huh. He's written Butter Chicken of Ludhiana. And over past two, three years, he's a complete bachelor of the current regime. Yeah. And he writes in Guardian. Uh, and he does New York Times regularly yeah, too, right? And yeah. Guardian too. Yeah. He takes on people across the world, including India. Hmm. I get trolled. I get hate <laughs> mails. And once there was an existential moment in our startup. So it, it is uh, crazy. So I know him. I, I mean, I don't know him well enough. Right. But I told him, yeah, either you get on Twitter or you buy me food for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, you uh, are on Twitter. What is your real handle? <laughs> it is Pankaj at OnTech. Pankaj on no, Yeah, exactly. All right, perfect. And uh, just a reminder, guys, please make sure that you are subscribed to the show on Apple Podcasts. Go and give us a rating. That's also very helpful. Send us a review. Do all of that kind of stuff. And if you want to join the Slack channel, go to the website, www.ivmpodcast.com slash shunya1. There is a button over there that says join the Slack channel. Click that button, send us your email, and we will send you an invitation for the Slack channel. Yes, and do listen to the Outliers podcast. Thanks, <laughs> as well as I should buy both of you some coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea. That's that's all. That's all the podcasting business it brings us. <laughs> Thank you so much on that. Post. Thank you. Really so kind so of you to have me. No, Thank no, you. we're a great. It was great to have you. Thank, Thank you. you. So Thank you so much. Thank you.